Ashley? Hey, girl. Okay. Okay. You finally got it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know I'm technically challenged, but geez. Listen, that's what the Genesis Project is all about. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so everybody, as you can see, we are doing what we do here on the Genesis Project. This is Ashley Perkins, your host, and tonight I have a very, very special guest on here tonight. Somebody I have been knowing for years. Yes, ma'am. And it's so crazy. Don't you know how you know, you 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 haven't seen him in a long time? Mm-hmm. You might follow each other on social media, but then when you link up with him, it's just like, hey, girl, and it's all love. And the crazy link is <laughs> the right time, the right moment. That's that's the thing I, that blows my mind. Hey. Exactly. <laughs> so, guys, I would like to introduce you all to Miss Trinell Eaton, someone who is just amazing. And I don't just Aww. say that because I know her, but she, but from like honestly, like you've always been amazing, Trinell. Oh, thank you, honey. Always been amazing, just so sweet. Um, but she is the founder. Is that the right? Yes. Right? Of the I Am Beautiful organization. And I am. Don't forget um, the because part. I am beautiful because. Oh, we're going to go and get into that. Mm-hmm. You got to tell me all about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she is a part of a great organization. And she has an event coming up here in Washington, D.C., February the 2nd. Um, the 9th. I actually the- need to go and change, send you guys an email. You know, well, hey, that's what the Genesis Project is yeah. all about. Oh, well. <laughs> it's the ninth. Okay, no problem. It's February 9th here in Washington, D.C., and the title is Surviving Womanhood. We're going to talk about all things pertaining to women, um, mental health, um, sexual abuse, and I'll let Trinell go into that more. So, Trinell, tell us a little bit about you, your background, the I Am Beautiful Because organization, as well as the event coming up. Oh, man, I hope you guys are going to be here. I think we're going to be here for three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where do I begin? So, yeah, I um, am a Washington, D.C. native. Um, I am a mom of an eight-year-old son, um, and my background is in mental health. I'm a graduate from Morgan State um, University, um, so I graduated with my bachelor's in social work there, and then now I'm currently in law school um, getting my master's of jurisprudence in child law and policy. You go, girl. Um, child. Whew. <laughs> all I can do is take a deep breath that's a lot I'm dying right now but Ooh, to God be the glory absolutely um, prior to so um, in my career field I started out in mental health um, for about eight years in um, Baltimore City I um, did some uh, psychiatric rehabilitation counseling and um, I did that for a little while you know, um, providing services to inner city families that had mental illnesses. And then I transitioned back home to DC, um, where I um, fell into education. Um, And from that point on, I went to work at a juvenile jail, which is the um, DC um, Youth Rehabilitative Service, um, detention center which is new beginnings out in laurel 
and I went there to work in education, which was a shift from mental health. Mm-hmm. And the reason I had the shift from mental health was because I knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't want there to be barriers on what I could do for people. Okay. And so with social work, there's a, obviously a code of ethics, right? And so they say that you got to have this tough skin and you can't love when you want to love. And I just didn't want to want to be held by those barriers. So I was just like, no, I don't want to be a social worker because I want to be able to love the way God has instructed me to love. And I, you know, so... Oh. I, like I said, I landed into education um, and at the jail and there I um, was a special education case manager. So I kind of had the best of both worlds of doing mental health and um, uh, working in education in special education. Um, And while I was there, I had made some really great connections with some of the young men who were, you know, um, in prison or detained at the detention center. And I felt like our connection was genuine and I wanted to provide a resource for them when they came home because they were, a lot of them were coming home, but also coming right back because of the lack of um, services that were being provided to them. So in my mind, I wanted to create this um, mentoring program, in which I did, um, titled The Center Children Entering Networks Through Enlightening Resources. And um, so when I started, I originally had the boys in mind. Um, and then for some reason, for some strange reason, you know, we, we always try to plan out the things the way we want them to go. Mm, right. But God quickly rans you up and, and, and shifts it to his direction. Um, he sent me all girls. I had never intended on, um, you know, mentoring to girls that the focus were for these young men coming home. Needless to say, I ended my program um, with all girls, no matter how hard I tried to start the male sector, he never let it take, you know, flight. Um, I ended my program with all girls And that lasted for about three years. So from like 2010 to 2013, um, my girls graduated and then I was left with no girls at all. And so I was stuck trying to figure out how do I revive this program? Because it was, you know, and I have some girls who can attest to um, being in the program and what they got from it. But so I wanted to make sure that I could, you know, carry, continue that legacy of the center um, out. And so for years, I tried to revive it. It would not happen. And so fast forward to myself, um, I got to 30. Mm. And (laughs) (laughs) I know all about that. (laughs) Actually, I got to 30. (laughs) And the ish hit the fan. Yeah, okay. that's 30. That's 30. It hit the fan, and I had no idea what I was going through because, um, as you mentioned earlier, like, I, since I can remember, I've always enjoyed life. I always mm-hmm. enjoyed people. I always enjoy, you know, giving love. I've always been this happy-go-lucky person. Um, so when 30 hit, and I found myself in the bed crying, couldn't get mm-hmm. up. Like, 
I didn't know what was going on with me. You know what I'm saying? It was different. And I'm like, God, like, yo, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> like, I got work to do. How? Why am I in the bed? Why can't I get out and do the work that I usually would do? Why am I not motivated, you know? Why am I to the point where I'm just, like, ready to throw the towel in? And um, the interesting thing was I had not lived by myself um wow and probably over like five years and it it was by choice that I didn't I just didn't want to live by myself I didn't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and so at 30 is when he forced me to live by myself and forced me to deal with myself Mm. and I was trying to figure out like like I said what's going on and at that moment I had already always known that I had been a victim of sexual abuse I had always known that I had you know, went through physical and emotional abuse. But in my mind, because I had gotten so far in life, knowing that and being okay, I thought I had dealt with that. Oh, wow. I thought that I had beat that. And, you know, I I was an exception to the rule. You know what I'm saying? You know, when they say when you go through things, you, especially abuse, you sometimes become the abuser or you go through depression or you go through these different phases. And I felt like I had escaped all of that. But the reality uh, of that was that, like I said, when I hit that 30, it was like that pimple that was flustering and it just burst all in my face. And it was like, okay, you have been down in this place long enough. Let's go figure out what this is and it came out that those were all of the all of the emotions that I had subconsciously suppressed mm-hmm. over 30 years or you know what I'm saying like I, I my, my abuse started early on in life um I want to say at nine so all those years from nine to 30 I had suppressed everything I had never gotten any counseling. I had never, there was nothing that I did to address it outside of starting my relationship with God. And that didn't happen until I was about 22, 23. Mm -hmm. So um, in dealing with um, myself, I I realized that I was going through a depression. I realized that I needed to seek counsel And I realized that there was a lot about myself that I had to learn. Um, Being as though I I thought I knew it all along. Yeah, we always do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I'm in my room getting to I Am Beautiful because um, so I started going to therapy and I started unpacking. But as I was unpacking, obviously there were a lot of emotions that came with it. But I knew that I needed to replenish myself after I left counseling. So I would watch different affirmations, different, you know, speaks, I mean, um, uh, speeches by, you know, inspirational women. And I was watching um, Gabrielle Union's Black Girl Rock, Rock speech. And she talked about how she was this mean girl. And she was this mean girl for a particular reason. She was trying to mask and cover up all of the ugliness that she had felt inside. And I 
related to her not in a sense that I was a mean girl because I I mean I can think of a time where I was mean or you know malicious but for the most part that wasn't me but I found myself being the person who overcompensated with being a people pleaser and being extremely nice and so as I identified with that God took me in a space and helped me to develop or process what it was that I was, you know, experiencing at the moment. And he had me go to my journal and to write down um, the words, um, my pain is. And um, after I wrote that down, he had me write, list down all the things that I had perceived or thought had caused me pain in my life. So, of course, I'm writing down all of my abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse. And then I just thought back to all the self-inflicted abuse that I had put on myself. Um, And so I'm writing all these things out. And then he comes back and he tells me to write over top of it, um, I am beautiful because. And he had me look at this list and told me, you are never to regret anything that you went through because Mm -hmm. this is who you were created to be these things although they may you know have caused some damage some hurt in your life those are character builders Mm. and I gave you a battle because I knew you were strong enough for this and so you have to now in return see the beauty in all of the things that I had done for you because I delivered you through it all. Right. I, 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 and I, and I talk about this all the time, like how I equate my story to Moses where his mom, you know, dropped him in the Nile river in the basket and he was forced to swim with the sharks to survive the way, the tides and the waves of the water but he did it Mm. and there was no describe how he survived other than that God was with him the entire time and not only did he survive he landed in the hands of someone who needed right wow yeah yeah and so (laughs) that's where um I got I am beautiful because from and so I didn't know what to do with that at the moment. I just thought that that was a lesson for me to learn. Um, But then I went um, later on that year to a conference and this, this conference called the young leaders conference um, in Atlanta, I went by myself and I, he had took me to a place where he laid me on my belly and really ministered to me what I was to do with the center and I am beautiful because he, you know, I'm like, God, I'm trying, I know you want me to work with young girls. I know you put this center in my life for a reason. Why can't I start it? And he came and he said, Trinell, I gave you a center and you're thinking too small. Mm. A center is massive. This thing that you're calling a center is not the thing that I gave you. So you now have to take and merge that with I am beautiful because and 
the thing that you struggled with the most, your biggest challenge in life, which was your sexual abuse, is the thing that you are supposed to heal other women from. Wow. And Ashley, if I could tell you, I could look God in his face and say, are you serious? <laughs> like, why would you want me to do this? Right. Like, because... <laughs> not only is it a task to heal whole individuals, like one, I'm still healing myself. Right, and then you gotta talk, continuously talk about it and relive it. Uh, right. Uh, All listen, <laughs> you forced me into a place of vulnerability. Yeah. But the necessary part of it all was that he had already done the work in me. Hmm. And I had to understand that I was already healed. I just had to walk in my healing mm. so that I could be what he needed me to be. And and it's still a journey for me in my healing. So I started I Am Beautiful because, and it's a nonprofit organization um, that supports women and girls who have been victims of child sexual abuse. Um, and I titled it a woman's awareness organization because it, Although it focuses on sexual abuse or sexual assault, it encompasses the whole woman. Um, and, and and I'll talk about this in a second. It, it encompasses the whole woman. And so there's multiple layers to the organization. Um, we have what we call beauty boot camps that we host. Um, every six weeks and those are geared towards all women and girls of all ages where we come and we just talk about womanhood we learn how to love on ourselves we learn how to identify trick um, traumas and triggers that we had no idea were there Um, we learn the importance of self-care and we learn how to function in a society that is plagued with sexual deviance which is yo <laughs> a beast in it itself absolutely. absolutely it's a beast in itself because there's a lot of there's a lot of lack of awareness in men and women and all of us you know what i'm saying and so I, I the the I am beautiful because I'm mean, excuse me the beauty boot camps are just a safe haven a space for women to come free themselves enjoy themselves learn new fashion trends beauty trends anything that makes you feel more of a woman and learn how to love yourself and find the beauty in the trauma in which we have endured because we don't we don't know oftentimes that we're walking in trauma yeah. You know, we're for, and it goes back to slavery, right? Because we were raped and put back in the field to work. Mm, mm. We had babies and were thrown back in the field to work the next day. So we function as a society to get hurt and just keep it moving and keep it moving. And we have to learn how to take care of ourselves because otherwise you'll find yourself like me at 30 with this pimple that will just burst and explode and you have nowhere to go or any, you know, idea of what's going on with you. 
And so that was the focus of me just developing this organization um, is to help young girls early on who are survivors, which leads me to the other part of the program, um, which we have is Operation Beauty. Um, And we're looking to roll that out into um, three facets. One component being strictly to um, young girls who are survivors of sexual abuse. Um, One component being a mentoring program that would run throughout um, schools, um, various um, girl organizations. um, And then the other capacity would be, you know, in a summer camp capacity. So we would do like a continuous six week summer camp and we would do um, minor beauty boot camp sessions with young girls. But the whole program, Operation Beauty, is for girls um, ages five through um, 18. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I've been talking. I no, don't know if I lost No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking it all in. And I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe. Um, because what your your ministry, I, I don't even want to call it a program or organization, but your ministry is something that is so needed. Um, and you brought up so many great points about how generation, like historically, we've just been taught basically to keep it moving, yeah, and to never deal with our issues. And like yourself, I found myself for the first time living on my own and just dealing with my stuff and not mm-hmm. having any distractions not having my mother there not having my sister not having a whole bunch of people around me but being alone and just dealing with your stuff and that's when mm-hmm. I also was like okay this is this is something different let me I've <laughs> dealt with depression before I've dealt with all that before but this time it was different um, yeah because before I, I, I kind of knew, I knew why I was depressed before when I was depressed from like around that, right after college, it was because I didn't know what I wanted to do career wise. I knew that's why I was depressed, but this was something different. And it, mm-hmm. I found myself looking in the mirror and bursting into tears. I found myself laying out on my floor crying or pulling mm-hmm. up to my, my home crying because I didn't want to go inside because I knew I would be alone. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Let mm-hmm. me go deal with this. And you brought up a point. You said you had never dealt with it or, or you know, seek out, sought after any help, but you had your faith, your, your connection with God. Now, you know, you know, I, I was brought up in the church, you know, we were always taught to just pray it away, pray it away, pray it mm-hmm. away. Now, mm-hmm. you as a believer mm-hmm. who, who, who has a strong prayer life and a strong relationship with God, you also thought it was necessary to seek professional help how what are, yes. what, are, what are your thoughts on that with people that say oh no you don't need that just pray it away listen faith without works is right. dead <laughs> that's just it you know what I'm saying because yeah God is the healer he is a deliverer he is the ruler he's the king of kings and he can do many things however he's play, placed people here on earth in different realms and different aspects of life for a reason. There's a mental health profession for a reason. And so while we do pray to God and we seek him for deliverance and for healing, he had, he sends people to do the work. He sends people to heal us. 
because we can sit and we can read mm-hmm. and we can write and we can talk, but we also can misinterpret. Right. right. And when we're sitting, we're writing and we're reading, you know, we could be sitting at home and doing that. And God doesn't necessarily bless people. He blesses places. Mm. We have to go where he is, where he tells us to go. And when you have your personal relationship with God, and this is why it's so important to have that, you know, um, dialogue or that relationship with God, he'll tell you where to go. And we have to be obedient in listening. And he's going to lead you to a person, to a therapist, somewhere where you can be healed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, wow, Jamel, you preaching tonight, girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's that. That's that. That's that. I think it's so also so important to to, um, point out that you had the stuff when I and what I mean by that is you had the degree you had the nice home you had the career you're you're a beautiful woman so from the outside looking in to everybody else you look like you had it all together but in reality Mm, you were crying yourself to sleep at night and I think that um especially amongst us black women we're always we always wear this strong black woman tag and we're mm-hmm. taught just to keep grinding and never stop, and you don't need you don't need a man. There's all these things that 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 have been put on our back, but no one, like you said, no one ever tells us to deal with our stuff. So we just go through life mm-hmm. acquiring things, but never healing from anything. And I think it's mm-hmm. important to point that out because there's another woman right now who has everything from the outside, but who is just as broken. So what would you say to that woman who may, like yourself, was crying herself to sleep at night, but she may be too embarrassed to seek professional help? Yo, Ashley, one thing that I always would, would, would speak on mm-hmm or was baffled about was that people always looked at me. Yeah, it it would be the craziest thing. Um, People would come up and say, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in years. You are so amazing. I love your Instagram. I love your Facebook. You know Uh what I'm saying? Like, or even if it wasn't a relationship that, you know, just via social media, you know, even if it was a personal relationship, um, you know, people would constantly tell me how inspired by me they were um, and how amazing I was. Uh-huh. And what I would always, my response was always like, yo, I wish people understood that I'm broken. Uh-huh. I'm broken. That was always my response. Like, yeah, thank you, but listen, let me give you the real. <laughs> <laughs> let me give you the yeah. real. I'm I'm broken and I'm not perfect. And I and I felt like people painted that picture of me of being perfect. And the reason people were allowed to paint that picture of me being perfect was because I never showed the world that I was vulnerable. Hmm. I never showed the world that, you know, because I was 
you, listen, I grew up, I'm the oldest, um, oldest girl in my family. And that's the oldest cousin. So it's 22, 22, maybe 25 of us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the oldest female cousin and I'm the oldest sister. So, do you know, it's a lot of responsibility. So, like that's a lot of responsibility yeah. to be the oldest woman in your, you know, in your generation. Yeah. Like you have a lot to carry you in your back. And I, you know, I, I became a woman early. Listen, my virginity was taken from me at nine. Wow. Um, and I, you know, was ra- My mom worked, um, overnight, so I was raising my sisters. You know, I was being a mom. <laughs> not only to my sisters but to my mom if I could be quite frank yeah. at a very early age so I, I developed this sense of independence and I developed this strong you know personality like I I am the hero I'm the savior um, but I had a mentor who told me like Trinell you're not God mm. like I'm like huh I know I know I'm not God like duh she's like no you're not a savior. You can't save everybody. You can't go out and do these things. So my my words of encouragement to someone who, you know, has it all, but is broken on the inside is allow yourself to break. Mm. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. One of the biggest things that I lacked was I was a giver and it was not easy for me to receive. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to receive. Receive love receive somebody paying for something, mm. receive get like it didn't matter what it was. Allow yourself to be broken and to be vulnerable. And I'm not saying go around and let people break you. Right. Absolutely not. But when you feel an emotion, experience the emotion. Right. Go through it. You know, because you have to really get to the core of who you what's really on the inside what's really on the inside because what's really on the inside like you're broken on the inside but at the at the core layer of what's on the inside are those nine fruits of the spirit that god gave Come on. so we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about faithfulness kindness peace you know goodness like all positive attributes that god built you right so once you're able to crack the barriers of who of all that stuff that I like to say unpacking the stuff that you picked up along the Mm -hmm. way once you get to unpacking all of that stuff you really get to the core of who God created you to be Mm. who girl so let me ask you this um forgiveness because I'm sure you know with the traumas that you, you you've endured, um, there may have been some resentment in your heart towards people. I'm sure the person who who caused the the trauma, and maybe to your mother for maybe feeling like she didn't protect you, or maybe you blame yourself. Like, how did you deal with that trauma and forgiving not only the people around you, but also forgiving yourself? Or have you gotten to that place of forgiveness? <laughs> That's interesting. Um, because I didn't get a chance to be angry with my perpetrator until I was 30. Mm. Um, so, and not only 
the fact that I didn't get a chance to be angry, um, I never had a chance to process. So I didn't know anything about forgiveness. And I didn't know, while I was carrying around hatred, I didn't know that it was hatred. I didn't know that it was a lack of forgiveness and a lack of trust and all these different things that, like I said, I thought I had mastered everything. I thought I was okay. Um, And it wasn't until um, my pastor at the time preached this sermon about forgiveness. And in my heart, because, you know, I've always been this... I'm trying to take the word always out of my vocabulary. (laughs) Um, But I've been for so long this loving person that I just want everybody to be happy. Can we all just get along? (laughs) That type of thing, right? So I thought I had experienced forgiveness in every realm. But he preached a sermon on forgiveness and I'm still going through like, yeah, I forgave. I forgave my perpetrator. I forgave every person that violated me. Um, and then he hit me with this last thing. And he said, oh, no, I know you just told yourself you forgave. But that's just what your mouth said. Mm. So let me hear you speak this person's name. And let me know what emotion revs through your body. Mm what goes through your mind when you hear this person's name, when you see this person, or when you think about a situation. And in that moment, I was convicted. I was like, whoa, I thought about my perpetrator. I thought about the the people who violated me and friendships and all of these things. And I, and I was like, dang, if I saw this person, I do this and I do mm-hmm. that. And I was like, whoa, that's not, you haven't forgiven right you haven't forgiven. And so once I was able to, you know, put that together, I was able to really identify um, any conflict that I had with any individual in my life. And I realized that I had to, for myself, um, rectify that conflict, whether it meant writing a letter, sending a text message, giving a phone call, whatever way that I felt comfortable in getting that off my chest, I had to do it because that was the only way that I was going to have peace. Now, whether the person wanted to respond or not, I had to prepare myself for that, for a response, whether it be good or bad or not, not one at all. I had to prepare myself emotionally for all of those. Um, but I knew in the in, in the back of my mind that this was the right thing for me to do and whether however they respond, because I can't control the way they respond, I can only control the way I respond right. and react. And so um yeah, that's how I got to a place of forgiveness. And I'm still I'm I'm still getting there. Um forgiveness is there. Um it's just learning to honor my feelings in the place of forgiveness because we say, you know, the black church, Oh, we forgive, we forgive. Like, you know, we pray and God said to forgive, but listen, God didn't forget who Satan was. (laughs) God didn't forget Judas. Like he knew everybody played a position and he played them accordingly. 
And so I, I, and, and, and getting to a place of forgiveness and getting over the overcompensating of being a people pleaser, I had to, um, say, yeah, I forgive, but I, listen, you still, you, you violate it and now you're in a category. I can still, um, be cordial. I can still love you, but based upon our relationship, like I have to let you know that we're setting boundaries here. And that's the important part of forgiveness is the boundaries piece. Absolutely. And I think, um, the black church gets a bad rap because of how forgiving we are. Um, but what people need to realize is forgiveness isn't being a fool. Like, you know what right. I'm saying? I don't, I don't mean to be harsh with my words, but no, nope, that's it. it. That's it like I, does not mean that I have to allow you back in that space again. I does not mean that I have to allow you because that's insanity at this point. Doing the same thing, expecting a different result. I can I I can forgive mm-hmm. you, and I can't like you said, I can love you. But no, you're not coming back. You're not spending night over my house. You're not going to be around my yeah. children. You know what I'm saying? If if yeah. there yeah. are yeah boundaries. boundaries. You know what I'm saying? And and I, you have to, like you say, you have to honor your feelings in that. Forgiveness isn't just saying, okay, I forgave you. Now, anytime I, I feel, you know, a harsh way towards you, I'm wrong, I'm bad. No, I'm, I'm going through my process because yeah. you, you, you've violated me. So yeah. um, I, th- I, th- I think that's great. Now, let me ask you this. Being though you've gone through what you've been through how are you taking care of Trinell now because you said you were a people pleaser oh, so you have to answer yeah you were a people pleaser <laughs> you were always this person who would, who would give 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 but now that you're on this journey of, of self-discovery and self-love and, and healing how are you pouring into yourself because you pour into <laughs> so many people and like they say my pastor always says you can't pour from a, an empty cup so what are you doing to fill up your cup mm-hmm. <laughs> listen my son will fuss at me so bad if he was here um, because he, he, he keeps me on my toes on this uh-huh. part um, because I am, I'm, I'm in school. I work full time. I'm a mom. I try to make sure he's into his stuff. Um, and then I have the organization. So, um, it, that leaves very little time. And I have a dog, that, which that's is a lot of work. Most, <laughs> I, ugh, don't give a shot. I don't like dogs. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 baby. But, um, so it leaves very little room or space for mm-hmm. Trinell. Um, so again, that's still an area that I am working on, but I do, um, I go to therapy with, Oh, wow. Okay. That's great. Something that I will not right. miss. I'm not in a crisis. I am not depressed. Um, I may be deprived of sleep, but, I go to therapy for preventative Absolutely. Measures, right? So that I can be replenished, so that I can unload at the end of the week. Every Friday at noon, I am in therapy. Um, I also have um, <laughs> my girlfriend, she, she coined this phrase for me this year, extended myself grace. Say that again? Um, extended myself okay. grace. Explain that. I 
am no longer um, beating myself up about what I haven't accomplished. You know, if I, um, there's a, a book by Brene Brown um, titled The Gift of Imperfections and Living a Whole, a Holistic Life. Um, and in the first chapter, she talks about going to work and setting up expectations for the day. And when we don't meet those expectations, we beat ourselves up about that. And honestly, there's nothing that you can do other than Chanel, your phone is breaking up. Hello, hello. Same time. Uh, um, yeah, there's nothing you can do but go to sleep and wake up the next day. Mm. And so knowing that there's really nothing you can do with um, with those quote-unquote filled expectations, why not just let it go right? and start anew the next day? So I'm extending myself grace and understanding that, listen, things take time. There's a process to everything. And also understanding that in this day and age of social media, first of all, where we see these quote-unquote overnight successes, that those aren't real. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Hold on. Wait. I don't don't know what happened. I can't hear. Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Hello? 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 Hold on. I can hear you through the phone, but I don't know what happened to um, the speaker. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I guess I have to talk to you up to my ear now. Okay. Um, but yeah, just doing, um, extending myself grace in that, in that fashion and then doing more spa trips. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, now. Because this is what God has um, put, put place on my heart to do. This is, I've been like, what's my purpose? Blah, 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 blah. So the podcast is, is a part of it, the, the Genesis Project. But it's it's starting fresh, like you said, starting anew. And this year, we finna take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, so... You gonna get your spa dates because we I'm gonna get a group of women together and I need you to hold me accountable to that and we just gonna start enjoying our lives because God has put us in a place to give give yes. give and pour 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 but we have to keep ourselves full we have to it starts at home and it starts with us you know what I'm saying we have to be walking billboards of what we're preaching so if we speak in healing it means healing in every area. Of and wholeness in every area of our lives. So I say all that to say we're going to be hanging out and doing some spot aches and some other stuff together because I believe that's what God has put on our hearts to do. Um, so I want to get into the event that's taking place February 9th. Um, it's called Surviving Womanhood. And you and I got a chance to speak briefly about, you know, what sparked the interest of it. And I'm mm-hmm. sure most people um, that's listening have, if you haven't seen it, you've probably heard of <laughs> the R. Kelly survive well, the surviving R. Kelly documentary, um, which was just something that most of us already kind of knew about it. Mm-hmm. But we kind of just like, like everything we do, we just brushing it under the rug mm-hmm. but I think this right here bust like punched us all in the face it was like no 
this happened. You guys need to know. And then I think mm-hmm. we all identify with those women mm-hmm. in some way. Like mm-hmm. I, by the grace of God, I've never been a victim of um, sexual abuse. Um, but I know many women who have. But I've been a victim of manipulation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what put those people in those positions to mm-hmm. be abused. Mm-hmm. So I, I can relate to that. Maybe not to the degree, but I have definitely been manipulated. And I'm just, I was just in awe. I was in tears. My jaw, I just could not believe some of what I was hearing. And that's why what you're doing, your ministry is so important. Because you're you're not only dealing with the adult woman, but you're starting at the fundamental ages mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where I realized this when I was sitting in therapy crying, a lot of stuff that I was crying and dealing with was stuff that happened to me when I was a kid. Yeah. We have you to know, heal the child within. We have to heal the child within um, because you'll, you will, will walk around with daddy issues. Some of us have mommy mm-hmm. issues, abandonment mm-hmm. issues, and just a whole myriad of things. And it's so important to, to start breaking down those walls at a young age mm-hmm. um and i noticed a lot of those women had broken stories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so many people because he he was broken mm-hmm. so like they say hurt people hurt, hurt people. people hurt so people i think he is a testament of what happens when these issues are not, not resolved exactly. they're not resolved i mean this is this was like uh like a heightened like this was yeah. like the extreme, yeah. But I know men. Who it's not the extreme it, though. It, it, you're you're absolutely right. Yo, to me, there's it was so extreme, much. But right, it, right. It, it it that happens. That happens. Like it, yo, it, it, it's it happens. So crazy because that's just one of many. Yeah. Um, and you know the great. And I'm not even going to call it an unfortunate part about it. The great part about it unraveling the way that it unraveled with who it unraveled with, with that was that, listen, oh, thank you, God. I just got this revelation. God put him on a platform mm-hmm. and God created a following, a mm-hmm. following of women who needed to be healed because this is not new. he's not the first he's not the last there are I mean it's globally happening everywhere and so God put him on this platform to expose him at this very moment um and what's interesting about this R. Kelly piece um, is that it was educational mm-hmm. and a lot of people won't see it or, you know see it as such um, a lot of people won't watch it but I encourage every woman every girl every man every person to watch this docuseries it's gruesome it's you know you I had to watch it in doses myself, yeah. Um, but it forces us to have conversations. It forces us to have dialogue about what's real because, like I said, this isn't a one-off. He just so happened to 
be on this huge platform and God just pulled the blanket back. Yo, right. I just I just posted this on social media on Facebook the other day about the um the city of Nevena. Yo, it's in the Bible. Nahum was a prophet that went to Nevena, which was the capital of Assyria, and they were living dark dark demonic oh, I don't even want to call it demonic, but they were living ungodly like. Mhm. And the central theme around this city was sexual perversion. And there were prostitutes. And God said, listen, I, you know, he sent Nevena to, uh, excuse me, um, Nahum to Nevena to prophesy that, listen, God is coming and he's going to destroy this entire city because he is displeased by the sexual perversion that is in this city. He says, you whores, the prostitutes will be exposed. The blankets, the, I will raise your shirt and expose you on the world stage. Mm. It's in the Bible. I can't, and listen, if I could make this stuff up, I really would. But <laughs> <laughs> if you go to the book of Nahum, you will find it. And that lets me know that this is all the setup for God's people to understand that this is real the reason for this organization for i am beautiful is because because it's that there are a lot of women you find yourself hearing and i'm so grateful for this me too movement thank you so yeah. much tarana you know and she doesn't get the the props that she deserved but this movement has been going on for 10 years mm. 10 years and people don't even know that it's been going on for 10 years. They think it's an overnight success. You know, this me too hashtag just popped up. No, she's been doing this work for 10 years and it's just being exposed. So the fact that she's been doing this work and it's just been exposed that R. Kelly is coming out. Like there are so many women, when you start to share your story and you tell people what happened to you, you hear so many people say, you know what? Me too. Yeah. You hear people say, now that I think about it, I was touched and I didn't think nothing of it, you know, because, you know, nothing went further or, you know, it was a cousin or, you know, I just thought it was supposed to be this way. Or you hear people say, you know, it blew my mind on Facebook for people to post. Don't act like y'all wasn't those fast girls getting picked up by those grown men. I was, I sure was, mm. but understand that those are the signs of a, of a child who's been sexually abused. Right. We have to be educated enough. In that docu-series, I saw a lot of lack of awareness. A lack of awareness in those girls. Oh, well, I thought it was just me that he liked. I thought I was the only teenager he liked. And, you know... They all thought they were in love. They all thought they were in love. They all thought that, you know, listen, he has what I'm trying to get. So in order for me to get what I want and to have his attention, listen, this is, this is R. Kelly. This is a world stage. Like exactly. how dare I tell R. Kelly now? In the reality, listen, I've done more for less. Uh, hello. Like men have left hello. Action, so I could only hello. <laughs> like he has to like me. Right. I just said like, I 
my way of communicating I loved you with a man was through sex. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I had to sex you. I mean, like, if I can be quite candid and open. Go ahead, girl. Like, I thought I had to sex you up and down and you would be mine. And that's all I had to do to keep you. Mm. And multiple times I was proven wrong. And I was sexing. And I, I mean, I'm, I wasn't, like, overly permitted. Like, I wasn't rolling or was a whore. But, like, the guys that I was intimate with, I was... <laughs> sexing as if you were my husband yeah giving you something you don't deserve because I did not have awareness of myself mm-hmm. enough to say you ain't fought hard enough to receive anything that I'm giving you right but you're now you're not by yourself you're not yeah. I, it's, it's it's so funny um I I I, um, I prostituted myself for attention mm, and when mm-hmm. I say that when you think of prostitution mm-hmm. you think of a woman selling her body for m- money but no prostitution is sex in, in exchange for something mm-hmm. and I did it for attention Yeah. Um, if I called the guy that I was dating and was like hey let's go to dinner oh no I'm busy but if I called and was like hey I'm trying to meet up and do XYZ oh he's available then. So I knew that I could use sex mm-hmm. for attention and I kind of thought that was love. If he's with me this day, mm-hmm. if he's with me texting me or calling me at this time, that must mean I'm special. So I kind of sought validation. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I used sex to get it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And And that was because I was broken and that was because I didn't know that I was beautiful. Yeah. I didn't know that my I'm more than what I can give to you sexually. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I was so late in the game. Like I lost my virginity late, real late in life. And so I just felt like And we think that is a bad thing. I thought it was horrible. I was 20, <laughs> I was in like almost my senior year in college. Yeah. When I lost my virginity. And um yeah, I, I noticed that in high school, you know, I wasn't the girl that was heavily sought after. Um, I would sometimes meet guys and they would like me when they really realized that I wasn't giving it up. Oh, I was friend zone. Mm-hmm. So when I was giving it up, I realized, wait, I'm still being friend zone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, hold on. Something's supposed to change here. Right. Like, what's going on? So, okay, okay well, let me keep giving it to you. Let yeah. me, and, and then I, you, you feel, and then it got to the point where I was like, okay, what? I'm not having sex with strangers. Yeah. But I'm still getting up from this bed empty. Empty. That's good. That's good. Like, empty. Yep. And so that's, that's, what, and so I've been on this whole celibacy journey for years. And I'm going to tell you, it's in like, I hear people say, don't, I gave my body to the Lord. I gave my life to the Lord. And he took desires away. That's not my testimony. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> I think about it every day, all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also think about that drive home afterwards. Yeah. And that was the most emptiest, the most, the most hurtful drive home yeah. ever. Like literally, I hate to be so frank. Soon as I bust the nut, I would be like, why did I come? Yep. Yep. You know, so I typically don't open um, the beauty boot camps up to men. Mm-hmm. And so this February 9th event, Surviving Womanhood, is one of the dates on the calendar that I was put down for a beauty boot camp. But I've, I have opened it up to men. In fact, I have 
um, males on the panel. Nice. Um, and the importance of that is that we need men around having these conversations because you and I can talk all day. Right. And we could go back and forth, back and forth. Um, but if men don't understand one, all that we go through as women, how we're sexually objectified every hour on the hour, how we experience trauma from that, then we'll continue to repeat the cycle. Yeah. We'll continue to repeat the cycle and men need to first be educated because, you know, in the docuseries, right, Tori, Tori Roberts was in there, right? Right. And he was talking about, you know, he was shaming R. Kelly. And then it came out <laughs> a week later <laughs> that he was doing, you know, yeah. he was violating women too. But here's the thing. There are a lot of men who are unaware of the fact that they are sexually violating women. And now let me take this back because I'm no um there I cut no slack for any man. So I'm not making an excuse for him. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like when people call me sexy, I'm like, first of all, you don't know me. Right. And oh, I hate it. that's sexual harassment. Well, how is that sexual harassment? Excuse me, it has the word sex in it. So you can't right. say sexy to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I don't right. cut anybody any slack. But if men are educated in that room because for so long we they have gotten away exactly. with so much, exactly. they don't know where the line is drawn at times. You know what I'm saying? They don't know. I even had conversations. I have a male best friend. And I have to say to him, like, Yo, your knee touching my knee? If I'm uncomfortable, then, you know, I that's a form of harassment. Right. Like, you given these quote unquote and, and with Tory Roberts, it was he, he came out and said, well, Oh, I thought it was a round table camaraderie conversation that we were having. I thought mm-hmm. you liked it. I thought you wanted it. Like I didn't know it violated you. And we aren't oftentimes empowered enough to say to check somebody. Like, yo, you violated me. Because so, when we do it, we're either too we're overreacting or we're yep. the angry black woman. Yep. We stand up for ourselves. Yep. Which is why we need men in the room to have these conversations because you now need to understand that you 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 have mo- you have a mother, right. you may have a sister, you may have a daughter. And we are just coming out and saying for years and we can take it back to slavery. We can take it back before slavery. We have been objectified as a sexual object, and that's not what we're here to do. Right. We're not here. I I said, you know, I was saying to myself, if guys understood that I was saying that I loved you and I wanted to be with you through sex, would they, how would they perceive that? Mm. Would they understand that? that this this is a reaction or a response to my trauma would they value that mm. or would they continue to take advantage of that depending on who the man is <laughs> and when i 
came out. Yo, I, I remember dropping, literally hitting send on Instagram and Facebook, letting the world know that I was starting this organization because many people did not know that I was a victim of sexual abuse. Mm. And so when I dropped, I am beautiful because and my face was on the emblem of the organization. I was sick to my stomach. Mm. I was sick to my stomach because I was so fearful of the response and the reaction that I was going to get from, you know, the guys that I slept with, from the friends who didn't know, from, you know, the family in which the abuse happened. Then, Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was so fearful of the response of being vulnerable. Um, I just didn't know what the outcome would be. But as I have continued, and, and sometimes the fear lies dormant and wants to try to creep up. But what I've realized, the fear that I feel is not real. Right. Um, and but it's the reality, right, right. God did not give us a spirit of fear. But it is helping so many people really have conversations. And to be honest, the reaction complete opposite of what I thought it would be. And if I held on to those thoughts or those spirits of fear, then I myself would still be dug in a hole somewhere, curled up on a couch. And and that's why and that's why Satan put that fear in you because like you said you you wouldn't be getting your healing and then most importantly you wouldn't be helping heal the people that God put before you so that's why yeah. he wanted to put all that fear and doubt and, and all that false stuff in your mind and and I felt the same way it's not easy I talk a lot about self esteem and it's not easy to tell people that I looked in the mirror and thought I saw a monster it's not easy to tell mm-hmm. people that I didn't know myself I didn't love myself. But I'm noticing when I speak about it, so many people that I looked at as being, mm-hmm. having it all and being all, they're coming to me and be like, hey, guess what? I feel the same way. You know what I'm saying? Me and too. They're yeah. starting their process. So we yeah. have to be, and I talk about this on the podcast before, we have to be the sacrificial lambs. How else will God yeah. get his, his word out? How else will God get his healing? you know heal people if he didn't put people on this earth to do it so we had he may not have caused those things to happen but he allowed those things to happen because like you said we're strong enough to deal with it yeah he gives his toughest fights to his strongest soldiers and you 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 kind of have to own that yeah i thank god every day for past present and future struggles because those are the things like he built me for this and built your character yeah he built me for this. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Trinell, I am so excited that we reconnected. Um, yes. First of all, and I am most excited about the February 9th event. So, once again, tell them the date, time, and location and where they can get tickets. So, yeah, um, February 9th, um, it's a Saturday. From one to three, um, we're going to host the Surviving Womanhood um, Beauty Boot Camp. It's an open um, discussion, roundtable, um, 
panel discussion, we'll just be in there talking, having some real dialogue um, about um, strength, relationships, mental health, R. Kelly, trauma, um, sexual assault, child abuse, you know, all those things um, and unpacking the things that women go through on the daily and we're forced to, um, you know, still be called mom. <laughs> or or not mom let me take that back because some of us don't have children but su- forced to be called you know woman of the hour human um, <laughs> <laughs> right super right exactly. all these things um but it's taking place um at um the the address is uh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's 2060 West Virginia Avenue Northeast, right off of New York Avenue. Um, and you can go onto Facebook um, and look up I Am Beautiful because um, the tickets are on there on Eventbrite. And you can also follow us on Instagram at I Am Beautiful underscore because. Um, and the link to the tickets are there as well, the registration. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. So I just send all God's love your way, and I pray that God continues to bless not only you, but all of your endeavors, and not only that, to keep you covered, because, girl, you're doing some work out here. Thank you. You covered in the blood, honey. We Listen, I receive. against you and your work. And we come I receive every destiny killing right now in the name of Jesus. So I am um, Jesus. So grateful to yeah. know you. And I did you tell the people that you're a panelist? Oh yeah. That's, that's, yeah. You know? Okay. So let me tell you what's so funny, Chanel. Um, that was it. That morning, I was kind of just going through having my moment, and I was like. Lord, I want to do um, some speaking events this year. Lord, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. Listen. But Lord, I, 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 I want to do that. And lo and behold, <laughs> Ashley, I kid you not, the, the, God works. And I don't care what nobody say, you can fight me on it. <laughs> I'm ready to go to war on this. God works because the night before I saw you, I literally said, I am going to reach out to you to be on this panel. And for me to walk into a random, it was not a random, I work across the street from the Starbucks, but to walk in on a random day on the day, the, you know, the, the, the morning after I had thought to reach out to you and see you was God's confirmation enough. Because I wasn't even going to Starbucks. I was going to the place across the street to get something to eat. And I parked my car there. And someone's like, no, go to Starbucks across the street. And I'm like, okay, but I'm hungry, hungry. I don't want coffee. But I was like, okay, well, let me go to Starbucks. And I'm in there and look up and you're walking through the door. And I'm like, ah, that yes. was nothing but God. So I am honored. I am honored and just to be a part of anything that you got going on because I just love being connected. Anytime, Ashley. Oh my God. Anytime. And I was so, so sad you could not make the last event, but I was so appreciative of your donation. Absolutely. Um, In any way that we could connect. I mean, because we're always looking for um, partnerships with various organizations. Um, We like for, um, to let it be known that we, you know, request for organizations to host beauty boot camps outside of the six that we do yeah. in a year. Um, so, you know, working with um, organizations in that capacity, 
um, having a Operation Beauty site with an organization or within a school is something that we're open to. So we're just looking to find ways to just get in the community and just encourage. Like I said, this organization is a women's awareness organization. So it encompasses the whole entire woman. Wo- yeah, woman. And one of the biggest misconceptions is that in order for you to be involved with I Am Beautiful Because is that you had to have been a victim of sexual abuse. And that is not the case. If you are a woman, you are a part. We want to make you understand that you are beautiful and you are, you have a story, you know, the because part comes with, you know, someone said, well, why can't you just leave it at I am beautiful because people need to see, you know, identify in themselves why they're beautiful and let other people know. I like that. So if you are, if you are listening and you are an organization and you would like to partner with, um, Chanel in any way and that I am beautiful because definitely hit them up. Um, I don't even if it's yes. outside of DC, whatever. Even if you want to just donate, what do whatever. Bless this woman's ministry because it is helping the world. So and women yeah. make the world go Thank round. You. So if there are more healed women out here, we have a better world. Actually, listen. <laughs> Listen, and we this this, uh, and I'm gonna go ahead and put my political views out there. This Kamala Harris, come on now. Listen, are they ready? I love it. They better get ready. I love it. I love it. We are women are amazing, and we are standing up, and we ain't taking no stuff no more. So we we can't afford to. We can't. So Chanel, once again, I thank you for um, being a part of this podcast tonight. And I know I had to switch the day up on you and everything. No worries. God does all things well, and I am just. Mm honored um to speak with you and have you be a part of this so once again everybody this is ashley perkins your host and i'm here with Chanel eaton and i'm going to label this the topic of this podcast surviving womanhood um because that means so much it means so much so (laughs) once again guys thank you for tuning in um thank thank you for coming a part of this and I pray you, Thank you as someone listening was able who someone's life will be changed by this I know for a fact I'm not even going to say I hope because I know it will happen um God does all things well so thank you again yeah. Chanel and you have a wonderful night thanks for having me you do the same bye-bye bye-bye